When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are, you now, are now listening, listening to, to The War the Report, War Report. Wednesday, Wednesday Night, night War, War Room, Room. With your host, host C-Dub. It's your boy Caesar Walker. Well, I got my boys with me. Mike, Mike G. G. Get your weight up. Strength and conditioning. Development. I don't, don't. Stop thinking with your emotions and watch the tape. And be real. Which is not normal for me. It's taking something out of me. Are you ready? Because we are now locked and loaded for the Wednesday Night War Room. Let's go! War Eagle, guys. War Eagle. Come on in. You heard that right. At least I hope you heard that right. Things are a little different around here. Uh, the War Room live show is brought to you as part of a partnership with AuburnSports.com. Um, guys, yeah, yeah. this is something that's been in the works for a minute. Uh, we've been, and it's actually have come organically as part of a a natural relationship that we've just fostered with them. Uh, starting with JG coming on months ago, he's come on several times, and uh, yeah, it's just it's coming to fruition. So we've 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 never claimed to be. We've never claimed to be expert or insiders or people who have scoops or these little hot takes uh, or just make predictions about where recruits are going to go. Half the time, those recruits don't even know where they're going to go. But we figured we would leverage the guys who actually do that for a living. And so part of the things that is coming out of this partnership, guys, is we're going to leverage them. So oftentimes you guys are going to ask us what are our thoughts. We'll give you our thoughts. But we figure it'll be valuable to bring those guys in to actually give you the inside scoop and make them available to where you can talk live with them. Um, it's been very valuable when we brought Jeffrey Lee on, Brian Matthews recently, even JG. Uh, those have been very, very valuable content pieces that we provided for you guys. We definitely uh, want to continue to do that. And so for those who aren't aware, this is this is it. If you're coming in late, we've partnered with them. This is a partnership with the War Report and Auburn Sports. So let's just go ahead and get into it. But Big Cat Weekend is back. And I was I was curious about this. Um, I was wondering, was this a thing in the past? Because we know this was introduced by Gene Chizik and the staff back in 2009. And it's it's been Auburn's biggest recruiting weekend of the year. Right. An opportunity for them to just not even deal with recruiting, but just a weekend where they have fun, play games, to just do the whole nine in terms of building relationships with other recruits, the coaching staff, getting them familiarized with Auburn um, in the in that whole ordeal. So they're bringing it back. This used to be a May event, but of course that was during the dead period this year. So they pushed it back and it will be July 25th. Uh, as of right now, they haven't named, I think, I don't think there's any names officially named just yet. I think, Bobo's kid may be there. Yeah. Um, the the O lineman. And I think Damari Austin 
It hasn't been announced, but I believe he's supposed to actually commit on the 25th of this month. So it is be interesting to see if he's actually coming there. That could actually set up really nice for us. But just want to get you guys thoughts in terms of Big Cat Weekend coming back and, and how it's going to look under a new coaching staff with Brian Harson. Mm. Be what you got for me, bro. Um, I thought this was out the door. I thought this was the last staff's thing. Um, I know Chiswick started it, but I didn't really hear about it until Gus. And then as soon as he got down to UCF, I saw some tweets. It was like Big Bounce House weekend or something. I was like, oh, okay. So maybe this was a last staff thing. They're taking it to the new spot, and and that's not our thing anymore. Um, I'm glad we have it. But let me say this. I don't think having a focused, big-time recruiting weekend by itself is that big a deal unless you're landing the guys that you're getting in into your facility, because we have been doing big cat weekend for what? At least eight, the past eight years, 10 years, 2009, Gene Chizik Chizik actually started it. Yeah. So 11 years. And we were still, when it came to the recruits that were eyeballing Bama, Georgia, LSU, Clemson, we're losing on those guys. We were consistently losing on the biggest difference making recruits under the last uh, administration. So Big Cat Weekend may have got us. We've got good players. We have always been able to get good players. We know they had a certain recruiting focus before as far as who they wanted to get, where they wanted to get them from. And a lot of that depended on relationships with high school coaches in certain areas. But we got who we got. And I don't think one weekend makes that big of a difference. It comes down, who's your position coach? Who are y'all putting in the league? What is my production going to be like in my position? Am I going to get playing time? Those are the questions that need to be answered. Big Cat Weekend is a great way to get people on campus, get them high-fiving the other really good recruits so maybe they can build some rapport and you can kind of sell them your picture of what you want them to be at the exact same time. I don't know how many times we heard, hey, I really like the idea of coming here and playing with him. Yeah, but that didn't really happen that much. So I don't know how much it was worth. It, it still comes down to who is your staff? What are they able to pitch these guys? Are they able to follow through and close the deal? And one weekend, or if it's spread out over three, four months, it's no difference. I, I don't see, it's not that big a deal. It's cool, but it's going to make a difference if this staff can sell the product, which is the program. And I don't think that changes too much yet because our staff hasn't had a chance to sell the program yet. So, Yeah, what, what you got, Mike? I think there's an angle here that B's missing, uh, in that this new Big Cat weekend will be focused around getting recruits into a community that will ultimately pay them money <laughs> because of NIL. Yeah. Right. So you come and you immerse them in the, in the craziness that is Auburn football culture in Auburn, Alabama, right? The communities, the businesses there that will ultimately ask players uh, to be spokesmen for their businesses. And now Big Cat Weekend is going to be about exposing players to a community that can enrich them also financially as well as their talent on the football field. So I don't disagree with B. I do believe that ultimately show it on the field, you know, show that you can develop. And then you got you just got to land the guys that you get on talent. You you can get them there. But if you're not landing a high number of those guys, it doesn't matter. But now there's an ulterior motive to get guys (laughs) on campus. And that motive is the money. And the money is definitely going to be there. And it's, it's just something that that 
we can definitely capitalize on because we have this sort of crazy football culture that will pay thousands of dollars to a player who has proved nothing at the college level <laughs> just to be at Auburn, right? So I'm all about players getting paid and getting theirs. Obviously, the market, I think, will drive the value of that. So, you know, some people will pay just because they love Auburn. Others will want something in return for their investment into the program uh, or into the player, which would means exposure for their business. So, you know, you're going to see something different here, right? Like if I'm a player and I'm going to Big Cat Weekend, I'm thinking, can I promote my brand from the Auburn platform? Look at what we've seen so far. It's getting posted around and all about Auburn, all these trademarked logos that these players are coming out with. Tank, Tank right. Bigsby has a trademark logo. Sean Shivers has a trademark logo, right? right. I, I just think... Smoke. Smoke. Smoke's got his own deal. And there's some stuff there that's really marketable as well, too. First of all, let's talk about the fact that Smoke Monday is the coolest name we've had come wear a jersey at Auburn <laughs> in a while. I love his name. Smoke Monday, right? Um, Ooh, so I love, his IG, I love his IG handle, too. Yeah, listen, it is. It, there's so much good market material, marketing materials to that. And uh, same with Tank. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, these guys, their name, if they can back that up with good play, is going to mean something in this community. So yeah. Big Cat Weekend is a chance for our administration to show not only how it will benefit them, long term as far as their athletics and their education but now in the short term where the community will i mean listen the community was doing it anyway i can't when i was in school i can't tell you how many things doors just opened for me because people thought i was a football player yeah you know not people writing me checks but i'm just saying like you know you skip to the front of the line oh like this guy's with the team yeah right that sort of thing but but times 10 now because it's legal to do it. That's all I'm saying. If they can't get busted for taking $5 from some business to show up and eat a sandwich, uh, uh, I think there are abundance of opportunities for that at Auburn, certainly. So now we have that to sell as well. The more I think about it, because I missed a couple of the, the shows where we were really getting into the NIL stuff. But on one hand, I was thinking, like, okay, for example, we know Bo's got the Milo's deal, right? Is mm-hmm. anybody in the South who likes football, do they not know about Milo's tea already? Like, I right. mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm being for real here because these businesses are saying, let me give you money for right. exposure for my thing. Milo's tea doesn't need exposure. Right. It, it, it sounds like a good pat on the back. I like this school. I like that school type of thing, which is cool. I, I don't think anything's wrong with that. So, hey, Bo, get your money. But if I am not a very very profitable business i'm gonna be thinking really carefully about whatever it is i'm giving these guys and and who who am i giving it to what do i expect from them right because like you said i think stop throughs if i say hey tank bigsby's gonna be here we talked about this a month ago tank bigsby's gonna stop by the club friday night that's worth the money because you know what that club's gonna be packed out to see tank bigsby you don't have to do anything but stand in the corner and and dap up a couple people coming in the door and you know what people are going to take pictures and they're going to tell you about the time they met tank bigsby in the club and it's going to be worth it for that club owner just for what he gets for cover and alcohol for the night but any other business like what what circumstances exist where a college football player 
that may not be a a star player. I think very few players it makes sense for. The rest, mm. I don't know. Like I'm I'm I want them to get it, but I worry about like as a business. Like is is it is that return worth it? You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I, uh, yeah, I, I guess I guess for me too. I think these. I know we talked about nil, but I think Big Cat Weekend is going to really, in my opinion, pay dividends for the 2023 class and beyond. Right. I think this is a, this is a whole it's almost getting your foot in the door with some of these recruits to just find out who are you exactly? What is this staff about? What are y'all's personalities? Like uh, is is my is my position coach cool? You know what I mean? What are the what are the players saying about them, right? Mm-hmm. So this is an opportunity to do that, but then you also have the season to kind of show and prove what you're what you're able to do moving forward under this new staff. And I just think it's a, it's a good opportunity Depending on who they're able to grab, but they're going to get some big names. They had a, a pretty impressive list of kids come by last month in the month of June. So I'm, I'm interested to see who from 2023 and beyond they're able to get on campus for this big weekend. And hopefully it's something they've had in the works and it's an impressive list. I'm pretty sure they're going to go after some 2022 kids. But just as we've been saying for much of since this coaching staff has been here, They've been behind the eight ball. And so yeah. they're going to get who they can. And so I'm, I'm glad to, to see that they're in a running for Damari Austin and, you know, a few other four-star kids. That's that's amazing because a lot of the other big schools have have had a, a lead on a lot of these kids that we would have liked to be in the running for. So yeah. uh, I, I'm just, I just look forward to that. And again, to your point, uh, Mike G, NIL has changed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's changed. It's changed how you recruit these kids. And on a big weekend like that, it is an opportunity to show these kids how you can not only get a quality and you're no longer selling some of these kids on an education anymore. You're selling them on how to build your brand. Yep. Right. Right. (laughs) Which could carry on beyond college. Right. And so there are a lot of guys who are in Auburn right now who's able to start businesses based off of who they were when they were players. Right. Right. And so this, this opportunity provides an uh, this provides an opportunity for these kids to to really set themselves up to be successful beyond college, depending on how well they do it. So more will be revealed as more comes out. I'm pretty sure we may have more details when they release a name or some names. We can talk about it on this upcoming Sunday on the weekend tailgate. But let's talk about this real quick. Shout out Lawrence Robinson, man, one of our regulars in here, good dude. Uh, we talked about this offline, me and Mike did. Uh want to point out that we talked about uh, Demetrius uh, Robertson coming to Auburn from Georgia, the transfer, and the competition that it's going to create for that room. And one of the things, we touched on it very lightly. Uh, there was concerns about uh, charges, felony charges uh, brought up against him. And as a writer out of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, who, I mean, it's almost like the moment this kid committed to Auburn, he hit send uh, on this article and just, you know, uh, just a smear, just a just a smear campaign on this kid. Well, the charges got dropped and they let him have it on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, but it, <laughs> so uh, I enjoyed that. Um, I'm pretty sure <laughs> others following the story enjoyed it as well. But just I think this is good. I think this this speaks to the 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 fact that we easily kind of dismiss that concern because I have to trust that as much money as Harson and those guys are making, they know if a kid 
is probably going to face some some serious legal trouble. It's probably not good to recruit this kid and bring him on, right? I'm sure these coaches knew that these charges were going to be dropped, that they knew that this was going to be, you know, a, a short-lived situation. And so the fact that this was dropped, what, a, what a, less than a week after this kid mm-hmm. committed to us, yeah. pretty telling about how, how on top of it they was of the situation. And when you even find out what he was being charged for, it was hard to believe that was going to stick anyway. Just just pay pay the that's, money and get and get it over with. That's the main point, right? This right. is this is why I love what we do, right? The rush to be first sometimes well, a lot of times overpowers the the need to be right. Right. And just because you can't write something doesn't mean you should write something. So I'm not going to get too down on this writer. I'm just telling you when you when you're talking, you know, everybody thinks it's all good at good until it's their reputation that somebody's writing about. And, you know, these kids, I mean, it was a silly thing that he did. Okay, right? Like, the emphasis on the fact that it was a felony and it's saying it's going to follow him to Auburn like some ominous ghost. Right. It's just going to, like, yeah, like, that's going to haunt him for the rest of his life. And was, bring down the program. Yeah, he was doing the most on that article. It was just unnecessary. Um, now, in terms of the player... You know, this is a great chance for him to prove a lot of doubters wrong. And he's walking into a wide receiver room with not a ton of experience. Now, I said this on the last broadcast. We return only 15% of our receiving yardage from last year. That's our lowest number in almost two decades in terms of returning receiving yardage. So, um, there is a ton of talent in our wide receiver room, just not a ton of experience. Right. And I don't think it's going to be super easy for him to crack the start starting rotation because these guys are, I mean, that, I think it's a highly competitive wide receiver room. And what we've heard from players, players, parents, from everybody that it's, it's, it's the coaches are selling competition. Nobody's job is secure. And the only person who can, we can honestly say his job is secure on the whole team. Uh, there's two players, maybe like uh, Zacoby McLean and Tank Bixby. Basically. Everybody I else's smoke. jobs. Yeah, and maybe smoke, right? Like everybody mm-hmm. else's jobs are up for grabs. And uh, I'm just looking at it and I'm thinking to myself, this guy, this guy has a chance. And why this is important, right, is, is because the portal has changed the game. So if these portal players that Harson has gone out and get find success here, it will signal to other talent that if the school you originally picked did not know what to do with your talent, let me go to these guys because they have the formula. Right. So things like Big Cat Weekend, while they were nice, become a lot less important. Because you can go to the portal and find grade A talent. He was a number one overall wide receiver. I think like a number eight overall recruit in 2016. Yeah. So this is not a a lot of people, almost a consensus top 10 player in the country coming out of high school. So you you just have to imagine, you know, when when you're looking at him coming in, you know, why this kid is important is, is because in terms of recruiting, it's a chance for this staff, especially at a position where I would say we've been waning in terms of development to show that they know what they're doing in terms of evaluation and development. So if they're taking this guy, you got, you have one year left to play. You have to believe it's because they think he can contribute. Right. 
Otherwise, why risk upsetting the balance of your wide receiver room for a one-year guy if he's not going to play? I believe he'll play. I just oh, don't for think, sure. Yeah, I just don't for think sure. it's a given that he's going to start from game one or anything like that. Honestly. And if and if the, if he's the catalyst that pushes these guys even more, right? Right. Then so be it. I'm all for it, right? Mm-hmm. And so again, if he's selling competition, man, I just want to see these guys get better. I want to see these guys get better as a group and as a unit, right? So, what you got, B? I mean, I'm glad the charges got dropped. It was what 700 bucks. Um, as a matter of fact, as soon as he committed to us, he posted a sponsorship deal. So that cash probably paid off the fine. Shoot. I mean, NIL already working for us. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm glad he got it taken care of. I'm, I'm glad that the kid is here. I think we spoke about this on Sunday. I am not so down on our wide receiver group. And as, as other people were, I know the spring was rough. We had some people out and the coaches, every person we've talked to, they were saying that the coaches said, that they were down on the wide receiver production. Like they were disappointed in what our, our, our wide receivers showed during the spring. And that was like, I kind of expect fans because fans don't really know. Fans don't see the training room. Fans don't see the drills. Fans don't see the, what coaches ask them to do in the film room. And they don't see how close the kids got to performing what the coaches asked them to do. The coaches see that. So if the coaches said, yeah, it was a little rough for the wide receivers, now I'm concerned about the wide receivers. But we didn't have our best, we didn't have our most experienced wide receivers available. And on top of that, it's a brand new offense. Like you can't, your quarterback can't run the wide receivers through their paces. The the quarterbacks are in hyper uh, cliff notes mode as far as learning playbooks and exercising and even running from under center for the first time in forever. So there wasn't a lot of progress. If anybody could make progress this spring, the wide receivers could make the least because, as Mike says all the time, they are very dependent on another position. And that other position underwent a full overhaul this spring. So I'm glad this guy is here as somebody who's taking snaps, as somebody who's taking snaps in a pro-style system, as somebody who has one year left. I do not mind at all if we end up being kind of and not in the exact same reason those guys left, but last chance you. Right. You you need to prove something. You are here to prove something. You got one shot. This is your last shot because there's nowhere from here that's going to take you that's, that's actually going to get you to where you want to go. This is where you show it. And if you show it here, you're going to go to the next level. And I Thanks. love guys having that pressure. That pressure is going to... You, you're going to show it. Or you are yep. going to flame out and it's going to be bad for you from here so I'm, I'm glad he's here i'm glad he's here for the room but i am not down on our wide receiver group i'm not yeah me neither 100 yo what's up this your man ike jones with the war report and you've been listening to the war report wednesday night war room if you want to get in on the conversation early catch us as we broadcast this show live on wednesday nights at 9 p.m eastern 8 p.m central on youtube Make sure you check out our other content while you're there. Facts and all. The Weekend Tailgate. Our player interview series, Build and Rapport, are going strong. All right. Enough of that. Let's get back to the show. Let's talk about uh, some news that came out as, as far as media days. I believe that's coming up next yes. week. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so uh, Yeah. So, uh, Harson is going to be up next Thursday. And he's bringing two guys with him. And they are Bo Nix and Owen Papo. Yeah. 
So, you know, I was surprised a little bit. I'm not surprised. I'm not shocked with Bo. No, no. But I would have I would have picked McLean if you'd asked me. But he's nevertheless he's taking uh he's taking Owen Papo with him. What are you guys' thoughts about Harson and these two guys he's taking with him to media days? I, I mean, I'm curious to see what's going to come out of uh, some of these uh, statements that these kids are going to make, <laughs> as well as Harson. So I'm, I'm I'm eager to see what Bo says mm-hmm. uh, as it pertains to Bobo and Harson. That's going <sighs> to be something I'm going to be looking forward to hearing. Um, of course, Papo is going to be raving about the defense. But what are you guys' thoughts about this? Uh, listen, man, Bo has had some m- interview mishaps. <laughs> so, <laughs> game uh, Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, so <laughs> um, I hope that they clean that up and he goes and just toasts the company line. Don't give any bulletin board material to upcoming SEC games and go do your talking on the field with your play. So, uh, it is a honor to be chosen to go to media days by your coach yeah. to represent your program to the conference. So I, I think that says a lot about what they think of Bo as a person. Like a right? team spokesman. Yeah, yeah. Listen, um, it's not always about taking your best player. It's about taking your best sp- spokesman who will represent the program you know, in a uh, articulate and an eloquent way. So they feel it, Bo, that can do that. Congratulations to Bo on being chosen for that. Um, same with Owen on the defensive side of the ball, right? Like, you know, this is a guy that they've chosen to go and speak for and represent that side of the ball in SEC media days. And I don't think it can be understated that to be chosen for that by a first-year head coach, first year at Auburn, first-year head coach at Auburn, I think that that is an honor that cannot be understated. Now, in terms of what it means about, uh, I see there was a, um, uh, there, I see there was a question here about what it means in terms of competition between TJ Finley and Bo. Um, nothing. Right. I think it means absolutely nothing. Right. Uh, I think that that competition is exactly where it was when TJ Finley decided he was going to come to Auburn because there have been no practices. There's been nothing for TJ Finley to actually insert himself into the competition in any way other than just workouts and uh, intangibles. But that's not going to be enough to win the starting job before game one. So picking Bo, I think, is a reflection of that. You're taking your guy who's going to start game one, which is not a secret to anybody. Right. Whether he's still starting by game four, will largely be in part due to him. Right. His destiny yeah. is, is, is his own hands, right? When you get the start, if you do the job, you'll keep, keep the job. And, and that's what it boils down to. So I don't think that it means anything in terms of the competition. Um, coaches are going to evaluate. They're going to continue to evaluate. They don't, they, I mean, besides last year's tape, they don't have anything to evaluate on Finley. Right. So you can't throw that guy out there. I'd be right. almost in favor of them playing Davis before Finley. At least you've had him for a spring and like <laughs> he's a senior system. And, you know, I, I don't know, but uh, I, I'm not down on Finley either. I think that he is another guy with, with, with uh, just like, just like Bo, just in some different ways. He's got a high talent ceiling. 
And he can go out there and he can sling the rock, man. Listen, he's got all the arm strength. I see him throw darts. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, I think the game, just like for Bo, is up here for him. Yeah. And the quarterback that figures this part out first is going to get an edge in Brian Harson's offense because this is something different, guys. This isn't looking at a picture of, you know, uh, uh, Bo Jackson on a card on the sideline and saying, oh, that play. That's not what this is. For sure. Right? Um, It's been widely reported that Harson likes his quarterbacks to wear wristbands. And what that tells you is there's a lot of information (laughs) that they're going to have to process. Yeah. And I think that the quarterback that can show that they can process that information pre-snap, post-snap, and make good decisions is going to be Harson's favorite child. So what does it mean in terms of the competition? Not a whole lot, right? Like, because TJ Finley hasn't gotten a chance to show anything yet. Right. This, this competition will be about what the guy who they choose to start shows first. And whether they decide that's good enough or whether they need to give somebody else a shot. I mean, I, I just think it's based off of who they like the most coming out of spring, the, the people that they saw on east, either side of the ball. I think mm-hmm. they liked what they saw out of Bo. They liked what they saw out of Owen. These are some of the guys who got some praise, whether it was uh, what's the award they give over the weekend for the guys in the weight room. Iron Man like the these Iron Man, mm-hmm. like these guys have won that award. These guys were getting positive feedback during spring. So I think that's what that a lot of that is made from what those guys have done in the offseason to get to this point. And Mm -hmm. and I think it's well deserved. I mean, they consistently gotten praise from this coaching staff. So it doesn't surprise me to see those these guys in that position. Question from from Patrick Perry is how do y'all think Harson will handle Bama and the UGA questions? You know. Harson to me isn't he's not a flashy guy. Okay. He's not a flashy guy. Now, you know, I I, I get a I get a kick out of the, the school up north comment, but I, I just don't think he's gonna give the media much to me. He's just kind of a hard nose. I'm gonna do the interview, but I don't see a lot coming from him in that regard. I think he'll he'll be kind of direct up front about where we are as a program and that the whole Elder Statesman speech for Auburn football, but I don't see I don't see any I don't see any stories being made up of anything exciting or out yeah. of out of the cuff that he's going to say. I just don't. But be what about you? Nah, nah. He, he's not going to give anybody any ammunition. He's no. not like a certain no. um, guy whose name rhymes with Timothy Sisher and give anybody any long try to kind of rah rah speech to try to rile up the fan base because that's nonsense. You go out there and you win the games. I think he knows that. As somebody who's coming from where he's coming from, big talk would not be what he came here to do. He came here because he thinks he can transform a top-tier program into an elite-level program. Uh, He thinks he has the blueprint to do it. He thinks he has strategy. He thinks he has uh, a sound plan for infrastructure. We've, We've seen how he's changed um, staffing and recruiting and, and their approach for recruiting. He has a plan to turn Auburn into not the little brother in the state, which is what we've been pretty much outside of 2010 since Nick Saban's been there. Um, he wants it to be about the program that he's building and where he's at. So even though all these questions are going to be about 
Um, well, you know, you're stepping into this job. You got Bama and you got Georgia. You got LSU. He's going to have to quietly eat those questions. And I know it's probably going to be burning them up inside because I don't know how many times. How would any of us feel you go to work and you do your job and all they can ask you about? Hey, man, what do you think about this guy over there in that department? It's like, I, I don't I don't care. I'm doing right. my job. I came here to do something that, that I want to do and be good at. It. So, yeah, mm. I just got here. But just give me a little time. Let's have this conversation yeah. next year in the next right. year when I've surpassed expectations or in two years when I've beaten this guy that y'all kept asking me about and ask him about me. I don't think he has this go and make a big splash in the media attitude. That's not who he is. No, and, no that's definitely um, not who he is. but I mean, for that's the game because we're in this state. We're in this conference. Nick Saban's right there. He's the most successful college coach ever. So you're going to get those questions. And he knew what he was signing on for. So. You know, he won't give yeah. him any ammunition, though. He'll just answer and say, I like our program and I like what we're building. And that's what I want to hear. Yeah. from. I think he's going to say we're here to win championships and you don't you win championships by beating teams on your schedule. Yeah. So next question. He's not here to lose to them. Is that where he got hired? Right. <laughs> so uh, I really hate that. I hate when the media asks questions that are obvious gotcha questions. Hoping that a coach will go out there and, and and pull a Lane Kiffin or any one of these other eccentric coaches who you know are going to give you a soundbite. Parsons not going to do that. Yeah, that's not. Him. And He's, I think you got enough guys. You got enough guys in our conference now who to do that. Who will do that? Mike Leach, Kiffin. Yeah, yeah. Harson's yeah. going to fly under the. Uh, the Harson's going to fly under the radar with those guys. And uh, he's and he's not going to set that example for his players. That, right. That you know. Right. Facts. Right. He's not going to want them going out there and doing that. So you've got to lead by example and just go out there and give the answer. Uh, I want to jump back here real quick, Caesar, before we move on uh, okay. to Mac, because he's, he's still on this uh, thing, this competition thing. I just want to say this about competition and depth. The two go hand in hand. So saying that it's more for depth is saying that they want them to compete. Because the only way you can have true depth is if the guy at number two is an actual threat to take the job. If he's not, then you don't really have depth. And that's what we experienced under Gus. Which is why Finley is there in the first place. Correct. The gap between one and two has been as wide as the Grand Canyon for the last eight years. Yeah. And we've been sold every single year by our last coach that we really feel like we got two guys who can do the job only for guy number two to get in and look like he never threw a football in comparison to the guy who won the job. Right. And when Jerry Johnson won the job uh, or got the job after Nick Marshall, I think that was the last time going into a season we really felt like we had an heir apparent. Right. And then it didn't happen. For whatever reason, I, I still I still put all that on coaching. I, I'm in the camp that thinks that Jeremy Johnson could play football. And in another program, he would have been very, very successful and possibly playing at the next level. Right. You know, and then we had years after that where all we saw were our number twos go on to do nothing. Transfer out. Yeah. And now we got the Malik Willis fiasco where he left the program as a number two to be in talks as a top 10 pick, a first round pick going into next year's draft. So competition and depth are the same thing, right? Like you cannot create depth without true competition where the guy behind the guy can actually take the job. And it's really just a flip. That's what the better programs are doing, people. 
Yeah. They all have number twos that can come in. Like that year that we beat Bama in that Iron Bowl, I remember after that game, when I saw what Mac Jones did, I told everybody, listen, if I were a Bama fan, I wouldn't be hanging my head about that performance. And I know he threw two pick sixes. One bounced off somebody's back. But I thought he played admirably for when his first When he wasn't throwing ball. pick sixes, he was shredding us. He was throwing touchdowns. All right, that's enough right of that, guys. Let's not, let's yeah, not. So like, come on now. All I'm saying <laughs> is it just seems like everybody else has their number two ready to go, and there's not much of a drop-off. When Trask got hurt and Emory Jones had to come in when we played them, I just, I remember thinking, oh, man, we're going to get a break. And then he came in and, and looked serviceable until Trask came back. Where has that been at Auburn? So competition and depth are the same thing. You cannot have one without the other. That's all I'm saying. As we get ready to transition, I do want to harp on on something that uh, Dallas Schwartz uh Basically posted, could Coach Harson taking Bo be his way of sending a message? You have a chance to win the job. What you do with it is up to you. What you do here goes to what kind of leader you can be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I mean, and I, and I think that message was sent prior to him even selecting Bo to come with him to media days. Yeah, I yeah, think sure. I think that's been communicated to Bo. And I think this is why Bo has responded the way he has. I think it's going to be an ongoing competition in the fall. How you how do you handle given the reps and the opportunities you get in the fall? What are you going to do game one? What are you going to do on the road against Penn State? You 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 you, you got to compete every time you get out there. And so I think he sent that message loud and clear to Bo. It's up mm-hmm. to Bo at this point. Yeah, thanks. Which brings us to uh, an article that recently came out about Pro Football Focus uh, ranking. All 130 college QBs. And the way they did some of them, uh, for some of these schools, they don't know who their starter is. So, of course, they may name one or two quarterbacks. But they basically broke these QBs out off into tiers. And there's only one quarterback, according to Pro Football Focus, which is in a tier one, which is elite. And that's Oklahoma's quarterback, uh, Spencer Rattler. Uh, Mm. Behind him is... (laughs) Everybody else. Now, in tier two, we have a few quarterbacks from our conference, which is pretty much who we're highlighting here. And this is the list as follows. So in tier two, which are high ceiling QBs, according to Pro Football Focus, is that you have Matt Corral of Ole Miss at number six. Behind him is Miles Brennan at LSU at number nine. Emory Blake or Emory Jones, sorry. Uh, shout out to Emory Blake, former receiver at Auburn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Emory Jones of Florida uh, comes in at 14. Connor Bezalak, hope I didn't butcher your name, at Mizzou comes in at 15. Uh, Alabama's Bryce Young comes in at 22. They're not as high on JT Daniels. Some people have been singing his kids' praises as being a potential Heisman contender. Maybe he is. Pro Football Focus isn't exactly sold on him, but they think he he can be good, obviously. Um, tier three is Hendon Hooker, who's a transfer from Virginia Tech uh, at Tennessee. Only SEC Q, uh, QB in Tier three. And Tier four is Bo Nix. Now, according to them, he's, he's basically what they consider an average quarterback. What they mean by that is one of two things. You're either you've had some great performances followed by not so good performances or 
you've just been consistent throughout your career. Okay? So in Tier 5, these are quarterbacks who either need more reps to determine what we know about them or they actually need to just simply get better. You have Will Rogers, Jack Abraham of Mississippi State, K.J. Jefferson in Arkansas, uh, Will Levi at, at Kentucky. I don't see a certain person from Kentucky being mentioned there. Mm-hmm. Uh, 98 is Zach Kilzada and Haynes King of Texas A&M. Ken Seals at Vandy and Luke Doty at South Carolina. So basically, right in the middle of this list of quarterbacks is kind of the back half, actually, uh, is Bo Nix, according to Pro Football Focus. Now, one of the things that we've talked about has been inconsistency for Bo. We've gotten killed for that in the past, but apparently this has been kind of the thing that other people are seeing from Bo is the inconsistency. I, I want to start with you, Mike G. When you look at that list, when you look at where they have Bo, and you look at him actually, one of the leaders at Auburn, new coaching staff, uh, new coach, new offense, fresh start. What does all this mean to you? Um, You know, so we've got two years of sample size here with some of these quarterbacks. And when you look at the, some of the quarterbacks that are ranked above him, they haven't had a chance to show how good or bad they are. But their rankings are primarily based on how those systems have generally developed quarterbacks. I'm look. I'm talking about Florida. Uh, you know, Miles Brennan. I thought looked impressive before he got hurt last year. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, he was leading the SEC in yards passing before he got hurt. You know, uh, he played a few games and was over a thousand yards like that, right on all SEC schedule, and they got hurt. Um, right. So there's a lot of talent around the league. Bo has as much talent as anybody on that list. I'll say it again for the people in the back. Bo has as much talent as anybody on that list. But realizing that talent has a lot to do with where you're ranked. So they've seen two years of that. And despite whatever you might think about setbacks that he's had because of COVID and changing offensive coordinators or whatnot, there are just some basic quarterback things that he has not done well enough to garner a higher ranking, regardless of how high his ceiling is. You know, there was one that we looked at that had him in tier five. I didn't think that was fair, but I think that he is a tier three, tier four quarterback based on results. Not where you hope he'll be, because you right. have you can't just ignore the two years of what he's done. And when you factor out things, when you look at advanced stats and you factor out things like offensive line play and receiver play, there's still a lot there to work on. And that's what a tier four ranking suggests to me. You're you're a starting quarterback in the SEC, man. So you presumably have talent. Yeah. You know, his tier four ranking is about what he's done with that talent so far. Correct. He can rise on this list. He hasn't earned a higher ranking yet. Now, there are some guys on the list that they're giving the benefit of the doubt, certainly, who have achieved nothing. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, these lists don't mean a lot. What means a lot is your play. Go out there and show them why they're right or wrong. They got Bryce Young ranked up there in tier two. Right. 
He'll go out on the field and prove whether he deserves that or he doesn't. I mean, that, that's all I think about it. You know, it's, it's, Bo has a lot to prove this year. He's got a lot to prove this year. And I don't think that he has to win the Heisman like some people are trying to put on him to prove it. He just has to go out there and when given time, be more accurate. Set his feet, go through his reads, basically show our coach that he has command of the offense and he's going to try to do the things that they want him to do. Right. Raise the level of the play around you, be a good leader, all those things. And he and then what what I expect is, is for our run game to help him a ton. But he can help them a ton by just going out there and making some throws that he missed last year or that he's missed his freshman year. Make some of those throws and, and the heat comes off a whole lot. That's all I'm saying, regardless so of offensive line play. So basically become the same thing you accused Mac Jones of being last year. Which was what, what? do you mean? Well, I accuse him. Well, I accuse him. Game, basically be the same uh, thing he accused Mac Jones of being, a game accused, manager. Okay. I got you. Oh, I never said Mac Jones was a game manager. No, no he Bo, said. Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, Bo, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Uh, but listen. Manage the you, game. Yeah, well, uh, Mac Jones left as, as, as top two most accurate quarterbacks in SEC history. The pro scouts were raving over his ball placement. It was immaculate. Yeah. Go out there and just do, you don't even have to be that accurate. Just go out there and be more accurate than you were. Because there were a lot of inaccurate balls that got caught last year. For as much as we uh, kind of gripe on our receivers a lot, they caught a lot of balls that were thrown off target. That's a stat that they keep. You can go back and check that. Off-target throws yeah. that got caught. <laughs> Yeah. Credit to the receiver. We don't give them enough credit for all the balls that they got thrown behind them that they had that they could not make a play after the catch. And sometimes that's the difference between a touchdown and a five yard play. As ball placement, put the ball out in front and give your playmakers an opportunity to make a play after the catch. When the ball's in the right place, put it where only your only the defender can get it. That's that's the thing that he has to do better this year. That's it. That's all I'm putting on both for 2021. Improve your accuracy and your ball placement. And I think we'll have a pretty good season and it will help these receivers a lot. The system should focus on getting the ball out of his hands quickly. We saw that in spring. Yeah. Help him go through his reads faster. Because we have two years of history that says when he runs around in the backfield, not good things are. It's a coin flip. And you can't go through a whole season of coin flips. So that's all he has to do better. I, I just, I, I don't think people are, are, are real Heisman or bust on Bo, right? And I've been hard on his play so far, but I've never been against Bo. I'm just saying like, hey, listen, can we just acknowledge that all his problems are not other people's fault? <laughs> I believe Gus hurt him. I don't think that all of his problems were Gus's fault, though, just like it wasn't all the receiver's fault or the offensive line's fault. Right. There are basic quarterback things that he can go out there and do. If he did them, it would already elevate him from tier four to tier three. Right. A tier four ranking is about the things that are just quarterback things that you do not do consistently consistently. enough. Yeah, Yeah. that's it. That's all that means. You're starting quarterback in the SEC. So you have you presumably have tier one, tier two talent. 
Yeah. So I mean, that's where I'm at about it. I, I'm I'm not I'm not I, I just don't think I think you know the consistency things will 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 be the difference between whether he's still starting by game five or not. Okay. Yeah. If you're inconsistent through these first four games, I think the coaches will resign themselves to move on. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact too that there's a lot of uncertainty around the coaching staff that he has. Right. I think you can't. He has the talent, but uh, you don't know what Harson can do at the SEC with this type right. of quarterback. So you you can't move him up, even if you want to. You'd have to judge him based on what he's done with someone right. as a coach who doesn't do well with quarterbacks. This right. is the, the, a lot of this is an indictment to me on our previous head coach. War Rapport family, it's your boy Mike G. The 2021 season is almost here and we're cooking up a bunch of amazing new content for our listeners. New segments, new giveaways, new interviews, and new game day experiences. But you have to be an insider to get in on the action. So head on over to YouTube and search for The War Report. When you see the channel, look for the join button. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss what we've got coming. So keep listening. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast app and get your weight up by becoming an insider for the 2021 Auburn football season. Let's go, baby. Now let's get back to it. But B-Will, what are your thoughts, bro? Yeah, I I agree with that. I I think this list is a referendum on the coaches at those schools, and that's it. That that is 90, 95% of what it is because Spencer Rattler did not look unstoppable last year. He played an entire season. Yeah, he looked shaky for half the year. They lost a couple games. It was a weird year. I know it, it was a weird year. But if you're telling me... He got what, better as the year went on. He got better. Lincoln Riley, what has he done with the last four quarterbacks he's had? Heisman, Heisman, um, draft pick, now starting quarterback. And now Spencer Rattler's next up. And he's already uh, got the head start on the Heisman. So this is reputation. Dan Mullen's reputation for Emory Jones, um, what Alabama has been able to do offensively over the last four years for Bryce Young. I'm not surprised by this list. Whether or not this list is accurate, it may be accurate. And I don't think that has anything to do with Bo, though, because I more than ever see Bo's production over the last two years and how much he has grown or not grown as a direct result of the coaching he was getting. We've seen game plans. That was terrible. You didn't have a chance. If you step yeah. on the field and you don't have a chance to be successful, is that is that your fault? Even better. We, we all work jobs, you know, to the lucky few who don't work jobs. God bless you. I hope to be there one day. If you are supposed to sell a product and your boss says, hey, we're selling it like this, and you're going to go in there and tell them we got A, B, and C, and you say, hey, listen, they, they don't want A, B, and C. They want X, Y, Z. No, I'm telling you, you got to go say it like this. You're going to go in there and fail because your boss didn't equip you to actually get that sale. What are you supposed to do? You're going to get in the huddle, in which we did not do under Gus, <laughs> and say, hey, forget that. Here's what we're going to do. No, because then you're just not going to play anymore because you directly right. disobeyed the coach. So your hands are tied if you have to do things the way your coach asks you. And what your coach wants you to do will not work. What are you going to do? Now, Mm. is it possible that if you are just a transcendent talent, that you can take a bad coaching situation, bad coaching calls and bad game plans and turn them into something? Yes. Nick Marshall did that for a year and a half, at least. Mm -hmm. 
He did because he was that guy. The, <laughs> yeah, he was that dude. The most eerie pocket presence I have ever seen. Like he doesn't see this guy. Oh, now he's on the run. He must have saw. Him. How does he do that? Making he wasn't a great passer, but when it the game was on the line, he made plays. Man, we thought that that was just a Gus thing. No, that was a Nick Marshall thing because we didn't see anybody that dynamic the rest of the time after that. The offense never worked that well after Nick Marshall left. It worked well in 2017, but it wasn't about Nick Marshall. I mean, it wasn't about he the, also went away. just the quarterback. He also went away from that. He also went away from that offense too. But that's a whole nother conversation for another yep, day. Exactly. Yep. I don't. I don't take what Bo has done to this point. I think he is not the covers all transgressions type of talent that a five-star rating may suggest. We get some of those every now and then. Those guys exist. Cam Newton was that. It didn't matter where Mm -hmm. Cam Newton started. He would have won something. He was too big, too athletic, too dynamic to not win something. He was that guy. Johnny Manziel was that guy. Texas A&M didn't do much with it because Kevin Sumlin is one of the worst coaches ever. And y'all kind of gave him a little bit of a pass on one of the shows I missed. Oh, it wasn't all bad. Texas A&M. Yes, it was. It was bad. He was getting too much talent to not do anything with it. Um, But Johnny Manziel was that guy. He was one of those guys. You can make the system better than it is. Bo Nix might not be that guy. Maybe we all hoped he was, but he's not. And maybe Gus hoped he was. And that's why he stuck with him. Like, listen, man, you just just turned into the guy. Well, he's not that guy. What if Bo Nix is more Kellen Mond? Than he is Johnny Manziel. That's okay. But Kellen Mond needed a system. He was a very mediocre quarterback as well. He had his best year ever under somebody who, even though he's not a great head coach, he is a good head coach. Had a running game for him. He had a a very good offensive line for him. He had a good defense for him. And Kellen Mond had his best year. A&M had their best season. It's possible to have success with Bo Nix as a quarterback, but he can't be the all-world everything. I don't think he's that. It doesn't mean he can't be very successful. Kellerman just got drafted. Yeah, that was that was exactly my point about Bo, though. Yeah. Right? Is, is that we don't need him to go out and win the Heisman. He doesn't have to be any of those guys for us to be successful. We just need right. a system that knows how to utilize what he does do well, keep his bad habits at bay, and then, you know, uh, 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 accentuate the other parts of our offense that are going to be good. Right. right. If you got a great running back, all you need to be able to do is if you can have a short passing game and then hit some deep threats now and then, yep. you can take a lot of pressure off that running game and Tank will run wild. Right. right? And I also, I also think, too, he's going to build confidence when you get him to focus on the things that he does well. Instead of having him do something that he's probably not naturally all that great at. I think if you get him to focus on certain aspects of his game, he'll begin to hone in on it and build confidence there. I just feel like I feel like he's been he was asked to do a lot of things and there wasn't an emphasis on what he could do well. Well, I think, again, the other thing to focus on, you know, you're talking about a guy because you're saying that, that, you know, Bo was um, may not be that guy. You know, essentially is what you said, right? That all and I'm telling you, he may not be a transcendent right. talent. Right. right. And it, I, I, I blame Gus for this because that's what he sold us. That's true. That's true. Facts. He, he sold us that his freshman that's year. Facts. This guy's going to win championships. All that. He put that on him. And then everybody gets mad at me 
for saying, where is this all-world quarterback that our coach sold us? Right. I don't see it. And then we start to look at the numbers, and we were like, wait, he was never that guy. He was always sub-60 completion percentage. Yeah. He was always sub-60 completion percentage. His mechanics were always bad. He always threw off his back foot. He just got away with it in high school and could not get away with it in college. It caught up with him in college. So even if he does have that sort of talent, if you see that potential, it was not as, it was more raw than some other guys who came to Auburn to play. Right. You know, I mean, listen, Nick, he's, you're completing uh, passes at, at, at a lesser clip almost than Nick Marshall. And he was true. I mean, he was a dynamic running quarterback. But you know what Nick did? He hit deep balls when he had to. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, that was it. We saw it all year. When he had to complete a pass downfield, he found a way to make it happen. Now, the prayer in Jordan Air, I don't care what anybody say, that was a bad pass, and it was the wrong play to make. It just happened to work out. But. Ah, shut up. <laughs> but um, uh, Nick was just. <laughs> You know, uh, I saw Lawrence say that he doesn't think that uh, Gus's coaching was bad with, with, with Nick. I, di- I respectfully disagree. I think that's just how good Nick Marshall was in that, in that particular system. He made a lot of people miss in that backfield. He made a lot of things happen. And then when we go back and we look at the offensive line play from that year and the numbers, they weren't great. Nick Mark, but we never saw it. Because Nick Marshall made magic oh, happen in better. the back. If, if for all know. of our pass, insiders, pass, our insiders pass, pass, have pass seen. Pass blocking was not great. Wait, wait, we wait. did the segment. But that, that's a different story because if you can be great at run blocking, pass blocking gets easier. When you can run block great, everything else gets easier. And we our could run block offensive great. line can run block. Not as good as we could in 2013. We couldn't. No, we could not. Listen. Listen, first of all, I'm just telling you, the skill positions were a lot better during those years. And it took a lot of pressure off of that offensive line because the skill positions were, that's not even an argument. The skill positions were phenomenal during those years. Running back, quarterback, <sighs> receiver. We had it. I can't. And they made, they, they made, a, lot of, they made a lot happen out of nothing. And, and, and the same was true with Cam. The amount of times that Cam had to make people miss in the backfield to get passes off was astounding. Mm-hmm. We don't pay attention to it because the dynamic athlete that we put at quarterback covered it. Offensive lines have never been great under Gus. It's time to face that fact. They've never been great at pass blocking because the system always requires them to block more than is reasonable. That's how well, his offense is built. Yeah, I'm with you, and that's why. Again, right, I'm with you on that. that I'm with you yeah, on that. that yeah, but, I, but, I, but I think, I think, I think, in fairness, I will give Malzahn some credit with Nick Marshall in that he didn't try to make Mal, uh, Marshall drop back and throw. He says we can run. We got Trey Mason. We have Nick Marshall. We got Jay Prosh bulldozing and creating lanes for, for for Mason. Let's run the ball. I remember they played Tennessee on the road. I don't even know if Marshall threw more than ten times. Like he he played to the strengths of that team, and the idea was that Malzahn would be able to continue to do that with Jeremy Johnson. 
right. and other other athletes. So I, I will give Malzahn credit for what he did with Nick Marshall, even though Nick Marshall does not get the credit he deserved for being an incredible athlete at the quarterback position. Yeah, take Nick Marshall out. Nick Marshall out of that situation, right? And the best that we've seen with all the skill positions even sort of equal is what Jared Stidham was able to accomplish. Yeah. Which his numbers didn't look world beater because the system was so bad. True. Right. Jared Stidham should have been, a. I mean, I, I do think it's, it, it's some other schools that he had gone to Oklahoma and been a first round draft pick. Maybe. Ooh, 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 we get disillusioned by what we them. see them do at Auburn. I'm telling I think, you. I think he, I think he could have been. Could have been a first-round draft I pick. I think if he had stayed at Baylor, he probably would. Yeah, could have been a first-round draft pick. They was yeah. loving him when he was at Baylor. Mm-hmm. And the joke in NFL circles was they were just surprised we hadn't completely ruined him by the time that it was time for the draft. But Bill Belichick looked at him and said, I'll take this guy. So he clearly had talent. And that has not been a thing for Auburn quarterbacks, really. Outside of a couple. Yeah. The last quarterback we had drafted before Stidham was who? Oh, Cam. 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 In the last 12 years. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, for, for, for a school like Auburn. Yeah, right. Yeah. In the last 10, 12 years, we've had two quarterbacks drafted. That's crazy. For a school that recruits top nine recruiting classes on average. So either you're missing on the kids that you're picking or you're not or you're underdeveloping or you're misevaluating. I put all that on the coach. That's what we hope that Harson changes. That's all I'm saying. So if he looks at Bo and says, I see what Gus saw in this kid. Here's how I'm going to do it. That's what I'm about. Because I think Bo's success will signal to other quarterback recruits that our coach knows what to do with quarterbacks. And that's yeah. the silver lining that, that I like. Right. That's the silver that's lining. Is, yeah. That's if you've seen for. the project, you see the list. He's he's no higher yeah. than than third tier on most lists, and, and people have him even lower than that. So you come right. in here and you rebuild a team in one year. And even if we only go, you know, eight and four or nine and three, like right. I'm hoping. Listen, it doesn't matter. If Bo Nix is not the reason we are losing games. Harson now has you for recruiting. <laughs> yeah, right. Listen, that's, that, that's my point. If we, if we don't have a game like South Carolina right. at quarterback, from the quarterback perspective, well, I'm happy yeah. with this for season. Sure. Yeah, sure. I, I, I just sure. don't think that Bo has to I'm in the camp, I keep saying it, that, think that, Bo, that thinks that Bo has to go out and beat the world this year to no. prove his, his haters wrong. I don't think so. I think that he can go out and just have a regular year. He can go out there and be a game He's, manager. Just don't go out there and lose a game. Mm-hmm. Don't right. don't do what you did at South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Use your athleticism more judiciously this year, and do not rely on it to make plays every other play. Because the quarterbacks who can do that and be successful are few. Yeah. I'm talking Patrick Mahomes, Cam Newton, Nick Marshall types that can rely on their athleticism literally every play. Yo, I, he's just not in that camp, but he it seemed he's he, uh, he again he did it in high school, so he probably I see how you might think that that can carry over. A good coach will settle your quarterback down and, and, and take that tape and be like, listen, son, you can't do this at this level. Right. Not all the time. Now we want you to use your God-given gifts to get out of trouble when necessary and make a play when we absolutely have to make one. 
But the beauty of playing, being a good quarterback is, is that is understanding that you do not have to make every play. Right. Right. So, you know, the, the, the mistakes, if he cuts the mistakes and he just works on the fundamentals, I think Auburn has a chance to have a solid season. That's where eight and four, possibly nine and three comes from. Because this defense, man, I'm telling you, we they can average we six to seven more points a game. This defense can be ridiculous. If the D line, if the D line is what we hope it'll be, yes, watch out. Mm-hmm. Watch yeah, out. I'm telling you, this, yeah, this is spe- special things to happen. Real quick, rapid fire, guys, before we get out of here. Uh, Jonathan Harris, on a scale from one to ten, how much does the wide receiver drop scare you? Talk to me, be will. I'm not terribly concerned about any wide receiver or anything. Um, Canyon looked consistent. I like Canyon. We have not seen half of the guys we have on our roster in, at the wide receiver position. We just we have seen too little to be worried about it. I know um, Kobe had a couple drops last year with a little bit of time that he got. Um, but we have not seen enough. If it was like uh, we've seen two full seasons of these guys and everybody's dropping passes, I'm worried. But we're not there yet, so I'm not worried. Mike G? Uh, we actually, believe it or not, last year, we didn't, drops weren't that big of an issue in comparison to other schools in the league, right? I mean, we had an average amount of drops. So, um, drops don't really scare me. I, th- I think this, I think this, um, you know, if they get the timing right, uh, and you give these guys some accurately placed balls, they'll make plays, um, you know, uh, if you ask Ike, he'll he'll probably tell you as long as Shedrick's not in there, we'll probably be good. Uh, but I I really think that we have a massively talented wide receiver core, and um, once they get out those first game jitters, you're going to see these guys. I'm looking forward to watching these guys dominate on Saturdays. I think we we have some young guys that can dominate and uh, underestimate them at your own peril. Yeah. Right. Um. Uh, shout People out to my guy. People are already doing it. People yeah. are already doing it. Listen, shout out to my guy, Malcolm Johnson Jr. I'm, I'm really pulling for him. I watched his tape. I, I've been real high on him since the beginning as well, too. I think that he showed some flashes of that in A-Day. Being able to get behind the defense, whether we got him the ball or not, is a different story. But, like, um, you know, he showed that type. Of, and we've got a few guys who can do that. So if you can teach them how to run the intermediate routes and then mix in tight ends, wow, man, listen, this could be, this could be a lot better than a lot of people are expecting. So... Um, on a scale of one to ten, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a two in terms of worry about that. Yeah, I'm like a three. I mean, again, I'm I'm excited. I want to see what Capers looks like when he gets back to health. We already seen what Canyon can do. Um, I'm looking to see these guys just grow up, and I think you may see some drops early on just because these guys are are in prime time positions that they haven't been because they've been behind guys since they've been at Auburn. But once they get their confidence up, once those guys get familiar with what they're doing and they can play fast. Sky's the limit for this group. I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. Yeah, for sure. Guys, I want to thank you for tuning in and watching the latest Wednesday Night War Room brought to you in partnership with AuburnSports.com. Please be sure to check those guys out. And guys, we definitely want you to continue to share our videos. Please, please be sure to do that. If you're on social media, use hashtag GetYourWeightUp. If you're on Twitter and Instagram, you can find us at The War Report. We're a TW Report on TikTok. That's it for now, but guys, we will see you soon. And as always, it's War Eagle. War Eagle.